Welcome to Sunday Evening Worship here at Broadway Baptist Church. So glad you're able to join us here. Uh, incredible opportunity as we're looking in the God's Word about what happened with a man named Job. So go ahead and turn your Bibles to the book of Job right there in the middle of your Bible. We're, this is part two of a sermon series on suffering. And what's powerful about this passage is we're going to see how Job passed the test. God tested Job. And then Job passed the test. He did not sin against the Lord. But what's interesting about this is Job had some friends that came and really didn't encourage him that much, but did speak to him. But then Job made some pretty startling statements about the character and about the Lord. So we're going to be studying this. And the real goal of this message is for you to walk away tonight saying, God, why do you allow me to go through these things through this suffering, this pain I'm experiencing. And Lord, knowing that, how am I responding? Am, am I responding the right way? Because we have to remember, God, suffering it does not take him by surprise. The things and the events that you are experiencing, that you're going through, the illnesses that you're battling, it is not by accident. God allows us to experience pain and suffering. Now, we know that's a result of the fall. We looked at that last week. But not only that, he allows it for the very purpose to force us to rely upon him. So here you are tonight, and you're wondering, God, why is this occurring to me? Why am I going through this? When people who do not serve you, who do not love you, who seem so foreign from what the Bible say, they're not experiencing it, yet I am. That's the real question we're going to answer here. And we're going to look at how our response, God's looking at how we respond to the, to the circumstances in our life. So go ahead and turn your Bible, Job chapter 2. In a little bit, we'll flip over our Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 5. So we're going to be in Job chapter 2 and 3, and then we're going to also be looking at our Bibles at 1 Peter chapter 5. One day the sons of God came again to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan also came with them to present himself before the Lord. Now, I want you to remember, say, what, what, what just happened? Chapter 1 of Job, Job lost his family. He lost his farm animals. He lost everything he owned. And all of a sudden, but he did not, uh, uh, nothing happened directly to Job. It was with all his possessions. But now, this is his second test. So something different, something new is going to happen here. And the, and the devil is, is tempting Job, trying to get him to sin and to curse God. That's the main point he's trying to get. The Lord asked Satan, where have you come from? From roaming through the earth. Satan answered him and walking around him. That's what the devil does. He roams this earth. Then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? No one else on earth is like him, a man of perfect integrity who fears God and turns away from evil. He still retains his integrity, even though you incited me against him to destroy him for no good reason. Skin for skin, Satan answered the Lord. A man will give up everything he owns in exchange for his life. But stretch out your hand and strike his flesh and bones, and he will surely curse you to his face. To your face. So what's happening here is God 
is allowing the devil, he's going to allow the devil to basically inflict severe pain and suffering on Job's own life, but not kill him. And Satan said, God, you, you, you hurt a man. You bring him down to his knees, down to nothing. And watch, he will turn against you. But God is confident in Job's integrity. He's confident in his commitment to the Lord. And I think the principle for us, what would it take for us to turn against the Lord? How bad does it have to get? And in Job's case, he lost all his wealth, all his possessions, all his family, his children. And now he's about to start losing his health. He's going to start deteriorating. This man will go from being the wealthiest man in the land of Uz, there in southern Saudi Arabia, all of a sudden to having literally nothing. Keep going in your Bibles. Very well, the Lord told Satan. He is in your power. Only spare his life. So Satan left the Lord's presence and inflicted Job with terrible boils from the soles of his feet, the bottom of his feet, to the top of his head. Then Job took a piece of broken pottery to scrape himself while he sat among the ashes. That's how bad. Painful, terrible boils. Just killer pain all over his body. His wife said to him, Are you still holding on to your integrity? Curse God and die. You know, his wife didn't win the Mother's Day award. She just, she turned against her husband. She said, Job, you've lost it all. I mean, she just buried all her children. They lost all their wealth. And now Job's half dead. She's like, Job, just, just, let's just die. There's nothing to live for anymore. And the principle that Job's teaching us is if all we have to live for is God, He is enough. That is, He is sufficient. Where we lose everything we have. But we have the Lord. We hold to our integrity. Job said in verse 10, You speak as a foolish woman. He told her, Should we accept only good from God and not adversary? Throughout all of this, Job did not sin in what he said. He rebuked his wife for speaking that way. Should we not accept the good and the bad? God is the sovereign Lord in heaven. He allows the rain to fall on the righteous and the unrighteous. The Lord is his name. The Lord is is who we trust in. So this brings up the question. I have it up here on the screen. Why did God single Job out? Why did God single Job out? Why Job? God knew that Job was a man who was perfect. He did. He was a man of integrity. He was upright. Job feared him. Job eschewed evil. He hated evil. He knew Job. Job had a relationship with the Lord. 
Job had a commitment to Christ, a commitment to God, and God knows you. He knows whether or not you will stand for Him. Maybe one of the reasons you aren't seeing great things happen in your life is because God realizes you can't handle it. Because Job stood for the Lord strong. And who caught that? Who caught Job's eye? The devil did. The devil came and approached the Lord. He wanted to tempt someone. And God said, have you considered Job? And apparently the devil knew who Job was. He says, yeah, I know who Job is. The reason he honors you is because you've blessed him so much. You take all this stuff away from him, watch him. He will curse you. He will turn against you. Job will falter and fail. Do you remember in the Garden of Gethsemane? Jesus told Peter, he's saying, Peter, you need to pray. Pray that your faith does not fail. You need to be able to stand, Peter. It's going to get hard. It's going to be tough. And you want to make sure you stand faithful for the Lord. You want to stand for what's righteous and holy. Turn your Bible to 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Keep your finger here in Job chapter 2. But flip over to 1 Peter 5, 8. This is a verse worth looking at. It's a verse for everyone. It's a verse that reminds us of the evil one. The Bible says, Be sober-minded. That means we shouldn't, we shouldn't be drinking alcohol. You shouldn't allow wine to take over your life. Alcohol destroys lives. Alcohol causes you to do things and think things that you should not do. You know, during the quarantine season, I was up here preaching to Chris Wright and the sound team and to Sherry and the kids. And I literally could look out this window right over yonder and liquor barn was open all the time. Church was closed, but the place that prevented you from being sober-minded was open. And the Bible reminds us, in our spiritual life, we need to make sure that we are sober-minded, that we are not allowing intoxicating beverage, drugs, anything that would cause us to act a way that God has not created us to act. The Bible tells us we need to be sober-minded and to be alert. Your adversary, the devil, he's prowling around like a roaring lion, looking for anyone he can devour. And he thought he could devour Job. But Job was a man of integrity. Even Job's wife turned against him. Job stood for the Lord. Is the devil looking to devour you? His name is the adversary. Satan 
wants you to be destroyed. He wants you to falter in your faith. He wants you to throw in the towel at church. He wants you to quit tithing. He wants you to quit reading your Bible. He wants you to get a gossipy negative attitude. He wants you to get angry at politics. He wants you to be mad at everybody you're around and blame everything. Christ is calling us to stand for Him, to be sober-minded, to be alert, because you're going to be attacked. The devil is coming. And if you aren't ready, you will get hit by this lion. He's not any lion. He's a roaring lion. So what he's described as. Do you know, Jesus is also described as a lion. He's described as the lion of Judah. But the devil is like the roaring lion, just looking to devour someone. Just easy prey. And we don't want to be easy prey. If you aren't alert, if you're under substance or alcohol, you will become easy prey. Satan wants to devour your life. You know, I've often thought, you know, if it was 2020 and this uh, scripture passage was being written today in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, it would say something like, be sober-minded, of course, be alert, absolutely, but not only that, be aware and cautious on social media. And I think you could almost put that under the alert. These devices here that we use, if you're not careful, it can shape your thinking and shape your attitude and really destroy your marriage and cause you to become addicted to TV, to movies, to pornography. And you think, what on earth happened? That kills your spiritual life. Some of the reasons why you are not experiencing the power and the presence of God is because you have not been alert. Jesus is calling. He's asking us to, to return to an alertness for him. Look, I've got another quote up on the board. Job's life was one of holiness and complete submission and obedience to God. That's what Job's life was like. God had set him apart as man. He even presented him to the devil saying, hey, check out my servant Job. He's a man of integrity. He, is, he submits to my leadership. The man obeys and he listens to what I say. Can God say that about you? Church member, Christian, are you holy? Have you been set apart for the Lord? The Bible says be holy because God is holy. We aren't holy because of the Ten Commandments. We're holy because God is holy. He set the example. Holy is set apart. Holy is a man of integrity. Holy is a woman of integrity. And, you know, think about it. Job's wife did not have integrity. Job was in a marriage that he was, she, he was married to somebody that she just said, curse God, die. She was even encouraging him to sin. Just because you're married does not mean your spouse, your wife, your husband, is honoring and living for the Lord. Every man, every woman, gives an account stands by himself or herself before God. And I want to encourage you tonight to raise your hand and say, Lord, I'm going to be a man of integrity. Raise your hand right now, wherever you're at. Say, Lord, I'm going to be a man. I'm going to be a woman 
of integrity. I'm going to serve you. Complete submission to God. That's how we respond to the Bible. Job, you want to overcome suffering? You become a man of integrity. You want to, you want to experience victory in your life? You become a woman of integrity. You want a better marriage? You stand for the Lord. Job's wife did not. Job called out his wife, saying, you're a foolish woman. You should not talk that way. Everything we have, God giveth and God taketh away. Everything we have comes from the Lord. Job chapter 2, verse 11. Look at this next scripture. Look what it says. Now when Job's three friends, Elephaz, the Temanite, Bildeed, the Shuhite, and Zophar, the Nathanite, heard about all this adversary that Job had happened to him, each of them came from his home They met together to go and sympathize with him and to comfort him. These guys didn't provide very much comfort. When they looked down at a distance, they could barely recognize him. They wept aloud, and each man tore his robe and threw dust into the air and on his head. They were shocked at what they saw. This is the wealthiest man on earth. Here he is. They thought, Job, is that you? It's like they went to visit their friend in the hospital. They went to go check on their buddy, and he was so sick. He'd endured so much, they didn't even know who the man was. Then they sat on the ground with him. Look at this, seven days, one week, seven days and seven nights, but no one said a word to him because they saw that his suffering was very intense. They recognized, oh my goodness, Job has experienced it. I used to look up to this man and he has gone through intense pain. That would be somewhat awkward. Job is embarrassed. Job probably doesn't know what to do. His friends are coming to encourage him and to visit him and to so-called comfort him. And they just sit there and stare. You know, it's like, you, what do you say when someone's in severe suffering? And you know, I think the biblical principle about Job's friends, because Job's friends didn't really say the right thing. If you know someone tonight who's suffering, if you know someone tonight who's going through t difficult days, there might not be a lot to say. You are there with your presence. Because once these friends start talking, the most of the book of Job is their conversation. They basically blame Job. They said, Job, it's your fault. Job had to refute what they were saying. Your presence speaks more than your words. Don't be a friend that just feels like you have to say something. You speak with your presence. You're there to just let them know. Let this person who's suffering and enduring tough times know that the Lord loves them. That the Lord is present and he's there. But something happens in chapter 3. We're going to read these first 11 verses. Job begins to speak. Most of us don't talk to God about this, like this way. These are powerful words from Job. After this, Job began to speak and cursed the day he was born. He said, 
May the day I was born perish, and the night that said a boy is conceived. This is Job's birth. If only that day had turned to darkness, may God above not care about it, or light shine on it. May darkness and gloom reclaim it, and a cloud settle over it. May what darkens the day terrify it. If only darkness had taken that night away, may it not appear among the days of the year, or be listed in the calendar. Yes, may that night be barren. May no joyful shout be heard in it. Let those who curse days condemn it. Those who are ready to rouse the Leviathan. That's a mythical sea creature. May its morning stars grow dark. May it wait for daylight, but have none. May it not see the breaking of dawn. For that night did not shut the doors of my mother's womb and hide sorrow from my eyes. Why was I not stillborn? Why didn't I die as I came from the womb? What harsh, difficult things to say. Job is saying, God, I wish I hadn't even been born. I wish the day that my mother found out that she was expecting a little boy, that he would have been a stillborn child. and He wouldn't have made it. He never would have left the womb. It's sad that I came into earth. And a lot of times what happens, and we're going to end on this, after spiritual victory, after you have a mountaintop experience with God, after you see the witness, the presence of God work in your life, you've overcome suffering, you've allowed victory to come, Usually the next days, next weeks, the next months can be very difficult and challenging. I think about Elijah. Do you remember after he called down fire from heaven? He received a note that Jezebel wanted to kill him. And he became afraid. This is the prophet of God that called down fire from heaven. And the earth swallowed up to eat and devour Take away the prophets of Baal. And all of a sudden, he's now a fearful, weak man. Job is falling into this depression, saying, I wish I hadn't have been born. I got through this, this difficult time. Everybody turned against me. My friends are just embarrassed for me. And I, I don't know what else to say. It's tragic. And I think what God wants to speak to us is, is the next, next Sunday or so, we're going to be looking on Sunday nights at some of these statements that are made throughout this conversation with Job's three friends. Job makes some powerful statements about the Lord. And I believe for us, we can see the depths of what it's like when we're struggling with doubt and depression. Seasons of suffering can take us to new, low levels in our life. And we have to make sure that even though we've maybe got through this worst part, that the Lord will see us out through to the end. It's kind of like the coronavirus season right now. You know, we were shut down in March, April, May. 
But now we're starting at the restart and the reopening plan. And this is where God's really looking at how we'll re-respond. And a lot of us just haven't got very active. We just still aren't out like we used to. And God is looking at us and saying, do you trust me? Do you just believe I can carry you through the most difficult days or through all the days of your life? We have a great God. We serve a great God who takes us through from the beginning, through the difficult times, through the good times, and finishes us all the way to the end times. And we could be living in the end times now. We are called to trust the Lord. God loves you. God's asking you to be dependent upon Him. I want to give you an opportunity to do that. I want you to bow your head, heads and close your eyes and give your heart and life to Jesus. He loves you. Jesus, I thank you for those who are listening. I pray that we respond to you. I pray you save our souls. Lord, save me. Forgive me my sins. I'm giving you my life. Jesus, carry me to the end. I'm yours, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I want you to look up. You pray and receive Jesus tonight. I want to hear from you. Send me a message. Fill out our connection card our connection form. The Lord holds you tight. He wants to see you through. Hey, I want you to support our church. There's a giving link that you can certainly become a giver and a supporter of Broadway Baptist as we take the gospel from our neighborhood to the nations. Not only that, I want you to consider uh, joining us here on Sunday mornings at 10 o'clock. Soon we'll be meeting in two weeks on 10.30. And then soon on Wednesday nights, we're about to start meeting in person. Not this coming Wednesday night, but the following Wednesday night, we'll start meeting at 6.30. So you prayerfully consider when you're ready, start coming back into God's house and being with God's people. God bless you. We will continue studying the, God, the book of Job on these Sunday nights. I'll see you next week.